Girlfriends, episode number 204, Sister Saints with Claire Swinarski. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, my guest is Claire Swinarski, and she's going to be sharing about some of her saint heroes and womanly role models that she loves in the church. You're going to be inspired. Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends, how are you? Thanks for being here. Thank you for showing up for this newest episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. Thrilled to be here with you in the brand spanking new year of 2020. And I'm excited to share with you this conversation that I had recently with Claire Swinarski, who's been on the show before to talk about her Catholic feminist podcast and her book, Girl Arise. And this week, though, she's here to talk about some of her favorite sister saints. Who are some of your favorite saints? I love this topic because the saints are such a beautiful gift that we have access to inside of the tradition of the Catholic Church, that we belong to the communion of saints. And that means we can pray for one another. We can pray for people who have died, who are in purgatory, and we can ask for the prayers of awesome, amazing people that we never even met on earth who are in heaven. They can help us. They can be an example for us. They can inspire us with their lives when we read about the details of their lives, when we learn from the way that they prayed and the way that they related to God, when we learn from the ways in which they lived out their lives of faith. And they can actually pray for us. They can be our friends in heaven. Such a beautiful gift that we have. And Claire shares really beautifully about some of her favorite saints, some really well-known, some lesser known. But Claire is always a great guest to have, always a great conversation to have with Claire Swinarski. So I don't want to delay any further. Take a listen to my recent conversation about our sister saints, awesome rock stars in heaven with Claire Swinarski. My guest today is Claire Swinarski, creator and host of the Catholic Feminist Podcast. She's been a guest here on Girlfriends before, but since then she's published a book. She's author of Girl Arise, a Catholic feminist's invitation to live boldly, love your faith, and change the world. Claire has degrees in journalism and political science from the University of Wisconsin, and she lives in Milwaukee with her husband and two kids. Welcome, Claire. I'm glad you're here. Hi, Danielle. Thank you so much for having me back. I am thrilled to have you here. We had such a great conversation before, and then I came on your show, and we had a great conversation there. So let's keep this conversation going. I want to talk about female saints, female role models in the church, because this is very much a tie-in with the kinds of topics you take up at The Catholic Feminist, but also a tie-in with a very cool project you have going. Can you tell me a little bit about what you have going on? Yes, I really wanted to come on and chat about Sister Saints because I think that the wide variety of women that God uses to do his work is so inspiring to me. And it's very much aligned with our mission at the Catholic Feminist, which is using our own unique gifts and our own unique skill sets and personalities to do whatever unique mission God has called us to do. And something I'm really excited about that we're doing with the podcast is we're actually taking a pilgrimage this October. We're going to France and we're going to get to walk in the footsteps of some of the saints that we're talking about 
about today. And uh-huh. if anyone wants to learn more, they can head to the Catholic slash pilgrimage that kind of lays out all the details, but it's going to be a really phenomenal trip. I wow. am so excited. <laughs> that sounds like such a great adventure, you know, to be planning now. So at the start of the new year, listeners, you might have in your mind, what am I going to do? What are my plans? What are my goals for this year? Well, perhaps making a pilgrimage like this one could be on your list of to-dos, new adventures, new challenges, um, a great way to connect with our sister saints. So let's start with St. Therese, because when we were talking by email, you mentioned St. Therese, Claire, and you were saying for years, you kind of thought she was a whiner, right? (laughs) Absolutely. I had such a hard time connecting with St. Therese and I felt like all Catholic women loved her. And I was kind of like, why? I mean, she she was like (laughs) in a convent. She didn't really do anything. And then she died super young. And when I, the first time I read her book, I was like, girlfriend, you need to relax. There's just a lot of complaining in here. There's a lot of anxiety. Uh Like I am just not aligned with this. And I'm not sure what God did to my heart, but I reread her book when I was a focus missionary at Mizzou and it completely blew my mind. So I don't know, sometimes I think God wants you to be connected with different saints at different times. I'm not sure. Why, yeah, but for sure. Like, no, the story of Therese is one you need to know. And I am going to implant this on your heart now. So St. Therese, um, so many women know so much about her, but she actually had like a pretty normal life. She wasn't like Mother Teresa or Joan of Arc. She didn't do anything super extraordinary by the world standards. She just was a French woman and she joined the Carmelites and then she died at age 24 in the 1800s. Um, But what I really love about Therese and something that makes her one of my sister's saints is that she actually really wanted to be a missionary And she couldn't be. She was too sickly and she got turned down and she was in the Carmelite order. And so she spent a ton of time praying for missionaries. Mm -hmm. And something that I have really noticed in today's world is that we, you know, we talk all the time about the importance of prayer, but it's becoming really um, cool to be like, well, prayer doesn't really matter. Action is what matters. Like we need to be out there in the world, like kind of implying that prayer is a total waste of time. Even Mm -hmm. just this week, um, I saw that Bishop Barron had posted saying that like, we need to be praying for people who have left the church. Like it's so important for us to pray, to bring these people back. And people were attacking him for saying that being like, no, we need to be like out serving the poor more. That would bring people back. And I'm like, no, God brings people back. Like God is who does that. We need to be praying for people more. And so that's why St. Therese was such an inspiration to me because she was so devoted to prayer. She was just this quiet, humble woman who really understood what it meant to talk to God. Right. And I, I, you know what I love too, is that, you know, your immediate impression that you had for her for years before you kind of dived deeper is legitimate, you know, because she, she was a very sensitive child, right? And she has these kind of quirks in her behavior and that's a real part of who she was. And, um, you know, people who've read some of her writings or, or know some of her life might know this, but she, she was, you know, specifically praying to God, like, relieve me of this crippling sensitivity that I feel like I, you know, I can't accomplish your will. I can't be doing the great things that I I feel called to do even inside of her spiritual life because she was so darn sensitive. And yet we can relate to that. It might not be sensitivity for you, but some other weakness or what you consider a character flaw that God works with us inside of those weaknesses. 
Exactly. I, I love that you mentioned that because I think, yeah, like for me, it's probably not sensitivity. It's probably more like, I don't know, getting annoyed with people. To be honest. <laughs> Insensitivity, <laughs> like, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm like, that's what I really need to pray over. And I just loved that she, you know, got turned down for the mission she had for herself and instead had embraced the mission that God had for her. Mm-hmm. And it didn't look like changing the world. And yet here she is a doctor of the church who has clearly changed the world in a massive way by, by changing souls. But yes, exactly. And in her own quiet way that wasn't applauded or she didn't get accolades, she didn't get awards, you know, in her lifetime for this amazing work she was accomplishing spiritually in her own spiritual life, but then just also just praying for and supporting other people. Just a beautiful, inspiring story. I think a great example of the feminine genius, don't you? Definitely. I mean, when you're saying that she didn't do anything to even get accolades, like when she died, the other sister that was asked to write her obituary was like, I don't even know what I'm going to write about. Like she didn't do anything. (laughs) Um, So I think that's definitely an example of just that beautiful inner feminine power um, coming out. And again, our own unique way. That was the mission God had for her. And she she stepped into it. Right. Not even the one she chose. Right. And and mm-hmm. we can all relate to that for sure. I know sometimes I'm like, this cannot be God's will because this is not glamorous. And nobody's even going to appreciate if I'm doing this thing behind the scenes that nobody's even going to notice. Right. But right. That's, that's so often how God works. He does great things through us when we're willing to humbly submit to his will when it doesn't necessarily match up with what our glam plans are for our life. Yeah. And I mean, one of the main parts in her book, she writes about even something as small as being annoyed by another sister who was like, I think she was like washing dishes and she got water splashed on her. And she (laughs) used that as an opportunity to just be holy and like pray over it. And it sounds so dumb to be like, well, of course, Therese, you shouldn't be annoyed by that. But come on, how many of us are annoyed by that small of things? Like 19 times a day, I'm annoyed by someone doing something. Right. Um, And that's, I mean, how unholy is that? And those little moments of unholiness really add up to your spiritual life. So exactly. She really was able to focus on these, these small, small ways. Such a great example to us of those small hidden ways, the little way of St. Therese. Now on the pilgrimage, you're going to Lysia, right? What's there? Yes, we are. I'm so excited. We get to see um, her childhood home where she grew up and just really explore that town that kind of made her made her who she was. Um, some different churches and places that were important to her. We're going to hear a talk about her and it's just going to be really phenomenal. I can't wait. <laughs> so great. Now, okay. Uh, what's your next sister saint that you want to share with us? Sure. So I have a, a, you know, a list of some who are more commonly known like St. Therese, Mm -hmm. but one servant of God. Okay. So she's an almost saint that I just, yes, that I had just learned about this year was mother Mary Lang. Are you familiar with her at all? A little tiny bit, but tell me more. Yeah. So she um, was a black woman born in Cuba in 1784. And then she immigrated to the U.S. first to Charleston. And then she eventually moved to Maryland. And it was, you know, the early 1800s. So what were our race relations like at that time? Not good. (laughs) There were were no um, public schools at all for children of color. So she founded one in her home, mostly for children of um, escaped slaves and former slaves. And Mm. she felt called to be a sister 
but no orders accepted African-American women, which I think is a really tragic part of our Catholic history that we need to to call out and point out that, you know, we as humans were um, preventing people from living out their vocations that God was calling them to due to our own our own biases. So she actually um, founded the Oblate Sisters of Providence in 1829 as a way of creating an order that African-American women could be accepted to. Wow. And so, you know, without her, how many more women would have been denied their vocation? Right. And I think what's really, really cool about her is just that she persevered so hard, no matter the obstacles she was facing. And I mean, those are big obstacles that most of the people listening to the show aren't really going to face something like that in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. But I think that we can take that and see in our own lives, like, where am I being prevented from living out God's will? And how can I overcome that? I mean, she literally had to start a religious order in right. order to do that. Um, just an incredibly, incredibly inspiring woman. That is so um, amazing to me. For First of all, just thinking back and trying to imagine that time where the, these other orders were excluding Black women, right? That that kind of injustice was just institutionalized inside the church. I mean, there's a lesson for all of us there that that can so happen, first of all. Um, right. But then that she just had this, you know, okay, and she's going to work around it and start her own order. Do you know, the, do the Oblate Sisters, are they still in existence? Yes. The reason that I learned about her is because I interviewed one of their sisters for my podcast. Yeah. So they, um, they mainly focus on fighting racism and injustice to this day and educating, um, students of color. So, uh, I think the school she had founded was in her home. Um, but now the Oblate sisters run various schools and they teach women, they teach students from, underprivileged neighborhoods and they do a lot of justice work. So, I mean, her legacy is very much, very much still kicking. Wow. That's amazing. So this is Servant of God, Mother Mary Elizabeth Lang, for people who want to look her up and find out more about that. And you know what I love? I love these saints in the making because I think they're kind of like, it's a secret, powerful way to get your prayers answered, you know, because like, of course, they're going to pay attention to you, right? They're, they're up in heaven, um, you know, to they're wanting to advance their cause right. for sainthood. Ch- that's right. what I always say to Chris. I'm like, I don't understand. If I was a saint, I'd be like, okay, first person who prays to me gets a miracle. <laughs> well, of course, it all has to work inside of God's will. Um, and of course, if they're in heaven, they're perfectly happy. And they don't need anything from us. I but <laughs> uh, but still, I like. I think it's funny to think about it that way. Like, okay, I'm going to get this person's attention because they're up there. Like, when am I going to get my st in front of my name? Right. Um, so. So, yeah, definitely Servant of God, Mother Mary Elizabeth Lang would be a great one to pray for and get your miracle. So everybody can jump on board with that. So let's talk about St. Joan of Arc. My daughter chose this name for her confirmation name recently, and I was really thrilled, you know, um, that she was choosing this role model. And she's got quotes from St. Joan of Arc, you know, pasted on the walls in her bedroom. And um, I mean, this is like the classic, right? The classic strong female role model inside the church. What are your thoughts on St. Joan of Arc? I adore St. Joan of Arc. I think she is definitely the classic kind of feminist saint. She's usually the first one that gets brought up to me is Mm -hmm. like, oh, you must really love Joan of Arc. And I totally (laughs) do. I mean, she just has such an incredible story of, again, another person who God had such a specific mission for. And that mission was really outside her time. That was not a normal thing for a young girl to be like, okay, now I'm going to lead this army of warriors. I'm going to 
help the French. I'm going to get the English out of here. And then eventually, obviously dying such an intense yes. martyr death of being burned at the stake. I'm really excited because during the Catholic feminist pilgrimage, we're actually able to go to um, the restored medieval village where she was burned at the stake. Wow. And we get to like see it in the street corner. And then there's like a whole shrine to her. And apparently the church that holds the shrine is in the shape of flames because what? she was burned at the stake. Oh and I think that's so cool. I cannot wait to go see that. Wow. That's amazing. Okay. I didn't know that either. So, I mean, I, I love her example because she's such a great example of sometimes God's will just seems absolutely crazy, right? I mean, right. It's like it's not done. That's simply not done, right? Like I think about like Noah building the ark, right? Like everybody's like, what are you even doing? And for St. Joan of Arc, it would be very much the same thing where people wouldn't understand it. She probably didn't understand it, but being convinced this was God's will, she was following through um, with great courage. And, and that's such a great example for all of us because we're probably not going to get called to lead armies into battle? I don't know. I'm going to leave that open in case that's God's plan for you or for me, Claire. But, you know, he sometimes does call us to things that feel impossible or feel way outside of our comfort zones. Right. And and doesn't he do that so that the entire world can see his glory, right? right? Like the impact that him calling this young girl to be a warrior has had in the world is just, I mean, immeasurable. And he could have picked anyone. Like he could have picked some middle-aged dude to go mm -hmm. do that. And it still would have been cool. That guy would have been like, yeah, I heard from God and he'd probably be a saint and it would be awesome. Right. But the fact that he used a young girl who could then be, like you said, a role model for so many other young girls and women, I think just shows like how, how creative our God is. Right. And how much greater his glory when it's done through these surprising ways, people you wouldn't expect or people who themselves don't believe in their own ability to do it. So what, right. a, what a great example she is. Do you have another sister saint you want to talk about? I do. I have another sister almost saint. Okay. And this is my girl that I always tell people, if I'm on my deathbed, this is the one I want you praying to. Okay. I think that I might be her miracle. And that is Dorothy J. Aha. Uh -huh. Tell us and about her because I know she is very much on people's minds and in the news because of the swirlings around of her becoming a saint, potentially becoming a saint. But maybe some people aren't familiar with her story. Yeah, it's funny. I think the people who love her love her. And then there's a whole other group of people who have never heard of her. So mm -hmm. I love to talk about her. Dorothy Day is another person who you would not have expected God to use when you really look at her life. Mm -hmm. um, she was born in 1897. And she was always an activist who was really on the side of the marginalized. Um, but she had a period of her life where she was just super far from God. She was um, really involved in the communist party. She actually had an abortion mm -hmm. and then she had a child out of wedlock and she just lived a life that was very separate from the Lord. Mm -hmm. But she ended up having this super intense conversion and was really driven through that to go continue working for justice, but to do so with the heart of Jesus and to really see people with their individual 
dignity. Um, So she actually ended up founding the Catholic worker movement in the 1930s. It's still around today. It's a movement that looked at economics, the economics of our time. And I still think this applies now and said that, you know, communism does not value the dignity of the individual person, but capitalism when done with sin, as all things are done with sin in our human world, Right. right? When capitalism is done with sin, that really hurts people as well. And so we Catholics need to create a system that cares for the least of these by really caring for our own neighbors, our own people in our community. Um, You know, like Jesus clearly told us to care for the least of these. He didn't say um, create a a system of government that's going to care for the least of these. He told us to do it. And so that's what Dorothy Day was really focused on. They created a newspaper and a group of homes that was able to take in people who were um, just willing to work to help the home flourish. Sometimes it was people experiencing homelessness. Sometimes it was just people who wanted to be a part of that community. And what I love about Dorothy Day was that she really incorporated Catholicism into justice and justice into Catholicism. Mm -hmm. I think today we see a lot of people who are really invested in their faith, but then they think that being involved in social issues is like for the politicians. Like, I'm going to sit back and like let, you know, Donald and Hillary fight about it. I don't need to be involved. And then there's a group of people who are really passionate about caring for the marginalized, but they're losing sight of why we do that, Mm -hmm. which is because these people were made in the image of Christ and that when we help people, we're helping Christ. And so Dorothy Day will just forever be a sister saint to me because she completely embodies this idea of feminism, of viewing women with the dignity that God gave to them and and truly helping the most marginalized among us. Right. I think that's so such a beautiful example. And what a powerful thing that would be should she uh, arise to sainthood because you know, think of the the powerful witness that would be for so many post-abortive women today that, yeah. that, you know, God was working through her. That wasn't the end of her story. That didn't define who she was. And I mean, there's there's no more contemporary message that's needed more than that, that there's there's hope after that. There's hope outside of that, that culture of death. Exactly. And, you know, after she had that abortion, she had thought and the science at the time was kind of leading her to believe that she'd never be able to have another child. And so when she became pregnant again, like, yes, it was out of wedlock, but she was filled with joy because she really saw this as a big part of her redemption story. And then the man that she had conceived that child with, she really had ideas about them becoming a family. And she really wanted to like embrace the traditional family. And Mm -hmm. he rejected her and rejected her faith. And so they weren't able to make that happen. And so in a way, I think that's really courageous of her too, because Mm -hmm. she had, she had chosen abortion. She had gone down that path and she had seen the harm that it had done to her. And so this time around, she decided to choose God and choose her faith. And she got her daughter baptized immediately. And it really is just a beautiful story of redemption. Right. And a courageous thing to do. Like you're pointing out, that was, it it cost her something, right? right? To choose that. So what a beautiful example for us. So another saint in the making that we can be we can be praying for that cause, but also just praying to Dorothy Day if you want some of those secret insider graces that can be attained by praying to saints in the making. Um, do you have any more? Okay, I have one more for All you. Right. Um, right. And this is a good one because, again, with the pilgrimage, we are going to be able to see this saint's incorruptible body which is so goth. I've been thinking lately about how Catholics are so 
like just weird that we, we are tour, so weird we so tour weird. people's body parts around like what's up with that but anyway saint catherine labore is another woman that i didn't really know much about like when i hear saint catherine i'm thinking sienna right um i'm not really thinking much about <laughs> saint catherine labore and she is another french woman her body is in paris and we'll be able to see it when we go on the pilgrimage and she had a deep deep devotion for mary so she didn't go through this you know radical conversion like dorothy day did she kind of always grew up with this deep intense faith and she entered the daughters of charity and had numerous visions of saint vincent de paul's heart and then in 1830 mary actually appeared to her and i love what mary said to her she said God wishes to charge you with a mission. You will be contradicted, but do not fear. You will have the grace to do what is necessary. Wow. Times are evil in France and in the world. Wow. I mean, dang. Like, yeah. That's intense. That's, yeah. Well, that's the message that Mary has for all of us, right? Right. And so Mary ended up giving her a vision of the miraculous medal and the miraculous medal prayer, the little like, mm-hmm. oh, Mary, conceive without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee. Yes. And so St. Catherine Labre made sure that that got made onto a medal, even though it took two years to do so. She because was contradicted. Of course, yeah. of course, she was not believed. And in some ways, I guess you do want to have prudence. Like the yes. second someone says they had a vision of Mary, we probably shouldn't respond with like declaring them a saint. Right. But you know, also in the times, it's like she's talking to spiritual directors who were basically treating her like she was insane. Right. Uh, but finally, she was listened to and it was made into a medal. And so now um, the Shrine of the Miraculous Medal is in is in Paris and that's where her body is. And we're going to get to go see it. And I just I'm really inspired by this story because of the intensity of that message from Mary mm-hmm. and how St. Catherine really reacted without fear. I mean, if Mary showed up to me and said, you will be contradicted and times are evil in the world. I would like pee my pants. I know. So. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Such a great example. And you know what I love about it is that, you know, from time eternal, women have suffered, you know, being treated like second class citizens and not having access to all the opportunities that men have. And it's kind of been a, a battle from the beginning of time. And yet also from the beginning of time, God has called women to great things. Like he's outside of that. You know, that's what I love about all of these different stories, but also especially about the St. Catherine story that you're going to be contradicted. Like these are the times you live in. These are, these are the battles we have to fight, but I'm calling you anyway. Like God has always recognized the inherent dignity of every woman and the unique calling that we have in his eyes. He has. And again, it's, I think another constant throughout, throughout these stories is like God uses the, the not obvious person, mm-hmm. like God could have get asked Mary to go give that vision to the Pope. And then it wouldn't have taken two years to get mm-hmm. the medal made, but instead he just chooses this random sister. And I think that the power in doing that is he really teaches us that God can use all people to do anything and that we should never just look at a person and assume because of their station or their gender or, you know, with mother Mary Lang, their race, that they are incapable of doing God's work, um, that God, God can use anyone to do great things. Right. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. And so you're going to see her incorruptible body. Now, can we talk about this for a minute? Because I have seen pictures of incorruptible saints bodies and they look a little bit corrupted. Like, (laughs) They're creepy, right? 
They are so <laughs> creepy. Like, I don't know the science behind this, but it is really interesting to me that sometimes I feel like we are looking at people's skulls and yes. I'm like, what is happening? I think that like, cause when you're, when they take your remains out to like check you out before you're a saint, I know mm-hmm. that's like part of the process. Yes. I think that when they take you out of that specific casket that you were in, like d- different chemicals in the air and et cetera can yeah. start to affect people's bodies and start to break them down. But I, I just literally was thinking about how weird and goth Catholics are because we just had <laughs> Halloween and like all of, you know, people out there think that like, I don't know, church people are so prudent and goody two shoes. And I'm like, no, we are touring hearts around like right. human hearts. Like, yeah. We are goth. We I- accept death. Memento mm-hmm. Mori. We're here for it. Oh, so. Oh my gosh, I love that. And then the Miraculous Medal, such an amazing story and such a beautiful devotion too. You know, every time I read about that medal and the promises that are associated with it, you know, promised by our Lord through Our Lady, I'm always like, get this medal on my body. Like I need to be wearing this medal. So I'm sure you're going to only feel more so after you visit with your pilgrimage. Yeah. And when I was doing the research about her, I learned that um, the idea of Mary being conceived without sin wasn't even technically a church teaching yet at the time that St. Catherine had heard that. It was like um, people thought it, but it wasn't like a confirmed the church has spoken. This is what Mm. we believe has happened with doctrine. That's the word I'm looking for. It wasn't like confirmed doctrine yet. And so some people were kind of thrown off when she wanted to put that on there because it wasn't um, technically church doctrine yet, but she actually kind of played a part in that. Wow. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So my guest today is Claire Swinarski, creator and host of the Catholic Feminist Podcast. She's been sharing with us here today about some of her favorite sister saints. Claire is also author of Girl Arise. We didn't even talk about the book, but we'll get to that next time you come on. Um, The subtitle is A Catholic Feminist's Invitation to Live Boldly, Love Your Faith, and Change the World. I'll have all the links to Claire's podcast and information about the pilgrimage in the show notes for this episode of Girlfriends. Claire, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a joy talking with you and your enthusiasm for our sister saints is just infectious. Thank you, Danielle. It's always so much fun chatting with you. Awesome. Don't go anywhere. We're going to take a quick break and be back with some listener feedback. I'm Danielle Bean, and you are listening to the Girlfriends Podcast. Hi, I'm Sonia Corbett, the Bible study evangelista. When I became Catholic, I had a really hard time understanding the role Mary was supposed to play in my life. So I went to her and I told her, I just don't get it. I need your help. And guess what? Mary did just that. She showed me a way to pray that has revolutionized my entire life. Mary has been called the mother of listening. She didn't just hear the word. She knew how to hear it in light of her own relationships, circumstances, and habits. And then she let the word transform her. I realized that I had to share what I was learning about Mary's way of praying with others. So I wrote How to Pray Like Mary, a step-by-step guide to discovering God's voice in the scriptures and letting Him transform your heart. I invite you to learn more about How to Pray Like Mary at ascensionpress.com or on Amazon. Welcome back. I hope that conversation inspired you to consider who some of your sister saints are. Who do you love? Who do you look to as an example of womanly strength and faith inside of our Catholic tradition? 
I love the ones that Claire shared, but I want to know what your thoughts are. I want to know who you admire, who inspires you, who you turn to in prayer during hard times or even during times of joy in your life. Let me know who your sister saints are. Who are your go-to girls? Let me know. Danielle at daniellebean.com. Connect with me on social media. You know I love to hear from you. And speaking of feedback, we're at the point in the show where I like to share a little bit of listener feedback. And this week, I want to share some feedback that I received from Dorothy. Now, Dorothy says she's 68 years old, which means she is not in the demographic that I consider typical for the Girlfriends podcast. So I absolutely love that she is writing in. If you are in Dorothy's age group in her phase of life at the age of 68, let me hear from you. I love knowing the diversity of the listeners here at Girlfriends. So Dorothy, first of all, thank you for that. So Dorothy writes, at 68 years old, as it is often said, I am probably not your target audience, right, as I just said, (laughs) but I've come to appreciate you in several months that I've been listening to your podcast. Your recent program, Hacks for Empty Nesters, really struck home. When I was 62, my husband left me just months before my last child married, and so my nest was devastated. Over the last six years, those five hacks that you shared have been exactly what's been keeping me going. Hearing them from you was encouraging and affirming. You're a source of wisdom and comfort, even to those older women that you mentioned. Structure, feeling the feelings, doing for others, offering it up, and seeing it as God's invitation to draw closer to him. I so appreciate your outline. I wish I heard it earlier, but it is still edifying today as I continue to struggle in my current phase of life. Thank you, Dorothy. Well, Dorothy, I really want to thank you for reaching out. I want to thank you for listening. And I want to assure you that we are going to be praying for you. I want to encourage everyone listening to please say a prayer for Dorothy. Say a prayer for her to continue to find peace in discerning what God's calling is for her at this phase in her life, to find peace inside of her struggle, inside of the challenges that she is facing, probably never in a million years expected to be doing this at this phase in your life. Dorothy, my heart is going out to you. I thank you for your encouragement of what I do here at Girlfriends. And I am so encouraged to know that you're listening and that it is helpful to you. And for those of you who did not hear that episode that Dorothy references, it's a few shows back. I can link to it in the show notes for this episode so that you can easily access it. Hacks for Empty Nesters was a show that I did because I did Hacks for Weary Moms of Toddlers, I think was the title of it. And um, I heard from older moms who thought, we want hacks too. (laughs) So we're not doing toddlers anymore. We're struggling with different things as our kids are growing up and moving out of the house and we find ourselves empty nesters. So give us some hacks. So I did share some of those hacks, even though I call myself an emptying nester because not all my kids are out of the house yet, but I very much see where this is going, and I have a little bit of experience at kids moving on and moving out and the kinds of challenges that come with that, but also the unique joys that come with that. For those of you who are in that phase of life, I just want to mention that I have a book that's upcoming with Ave Maria Press, and it'll be available in February of this year, so in just a month or so. It is called Giving Thanks and Letting Go, Reflections on the Gift of Motherhood, and it is very much a book of my heart, just my pouring out my heart about some of the unique joys and challenges of this particular phase of life where we very much are giving thanks and letting go and struggling to do that in some ways, loving to do that in some ways, feeling it's a privilege to be able to do that in some ways. So it's a sharing from my heart and I, in a way that I hope will be encouraging and affirming to other people also in that phase of life, but also encouraging and affirming to moms who are looking ahead a little bit and see that on the horizon and think, 
that's impossible. I can't possibly even begin to think about that. But it might be helpful to you, um, even if you're struggling with little kids, knowing that there are changes that lie ahead that are both good and bad. And that truly is, in the end, what I feel like is the truth about every stage and phase of motherhood, that there are pros and cons. There are costs and there are benefits. There are joys and there are challenges. There are ways that we are really challenged at different phases in our lives, but there are special joys about those particular phases as well. So that's part of what I share about giving thanks and letting go. I will link to that book if you would like to pre-order. Pre-order is a wonderful way that you can support authors um, because it really lets publishers know that you are interested in the book, that you're interested in that particular author, or that you're interested in that kind of content. It gives authors a real boost at the launch of a book. So I would so appreciate it if you would pre-order Giving Thanks and Letting Go. I will put the link to that in the show notes. Speaking of the show notes, I want to encourage you to subscribe to the show notes for the Girlfriends Podcast. Easy to do. I know you have a cell phone, so just go ahead and text the word girlfriends to 33 777 and you can get subscribed to the Girlfriends Podcast show notes. They will get delivered to your inbox every week when there's a new episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. This way you will always know when there is a new episode of the Girlfriends Podcast available, but you will also have the show notes right there with all the links and information that you want and need. If you have feedback for me from today's episode or any recent one or an idea for a future topic you'd like me to take up here, please email me. I would love to hear from you, danielle at daniellebean.com or connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. I am Danielle Bean on all of social media. I look forward to connecting with you. In the meantime, though, I just want to thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of this episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. I love the fact that you listen to what I share here week after week, that you are an important part of the Girlfriends Podcast community. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for being here. You are a gift to me and to all of the Girlfriends community. Until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between daniellebean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation. 